I just wanted to start this morning by really also paying homage and, and giving thanks to what has led us to this point today. We are here together as a church today because of the faithfulness of previous generations over many, 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 many years. That is what has brought us here today. And this morning as we unpack the new vision and, and hear what that is, we're going to have a, a time where there's going to be a, a prayer time at the end. That's going to be a chance for us to make that, that dedication, that personal consecration towards saying, yes, I'm going to be part of what God is doing here in this family going forward. The, uh, today really is a message of hope. Hope. It's a word bursting with anticipation, brimming with expectation, overflowing with possibility. You know, our church has had many years waiting patiently for a day such as this, a day where hope begins to be formed and to be shaped into something tangible, something perceptible, something real. We've been hoping for a healthy, effective and fruitful ministry into our community. We've been hoping for leadership, for guidance and for the dawning of a new path forward new path that would take us into the future and guide our efforts and energy towards ministering well to our community for the glory of God and the advancement of his gospel purposes. But can I say that today is that day. Today is that day where we illuminate the plans that God has given us for our future. Today is the day where we burst out of the wilderness and into the promise of hope. Today is the day where we consecrate ourselves in faith and devotion to God and the vision that he has given us together. Since its inception, the mission of the church has been a simple one. It has been to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's mission and the mission of his church are inseparably linked. The mission of the church is highlighted in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As those who have been reconciled to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are now ambassadors of reconciliation to a lost and broken world. His mission is to redeem and reconcile people to himself. Our mission is to be a faithful vessel for his mission and so we know why we exist. We exist to bring glory to God. Rangrata Baptist Church exists to bring glory to God. This is our mission. But how do we go about doing that? Well, that's something that God uniquely gives to each local body of Christ, contextualised to their circumstances and calling. We believe that God has led us and guided us to how we should do that for our context and shaping here in the North East. How are we going to bring glory to God? By bringing the hope of the gospel. We exist to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel to the North East. See, we are not the same as any other church in Wangaratta or in the northeast. We are asked for a reason, and that reason is to bring hope, the hope of the gospel. But what mechanism are we going to accomplish this? Well, that's by making disciples. We exist to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel to the northeast by making disciples. It's revolutionary stuff, isn't it? Well, not really. It's actually what we're supposed to be doing from the start. And how are we going to make disciples? That's through authentic worship, vibrant family, gospel-centered growth, and joyful service. This is our mission. This is why we exist. We exist to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel to the northeast by making disciples through authentic worship, through vibrant family, through gospel-centered growth, and really 
one great one through joyful service, bringing joy as well. So I want to unpack that a little bit. So I think we're all understanding of the idea that our purpose as believers and as, as a Bible-believing church is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, does all exclude anything? No, it's do it all for the glory of God. But the way in which glory is brought to God is by an ever-increasing number of people coming to know him and being saved by his grace. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. God is about multiplication. He wants us to be people who multiply the blessings he has bestowed upon us, to be people who help others come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and to see more people be redeemed and reconciled with the Father. That's what we talk about, multiplication. This isn't prosperity gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the multiplication that comes from that. Philippians 2, 10 to 11 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of who? To the glory of God the Father. For what every purpose, for what purpose should every knee bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord? It is indeed for the glory of the Father. And we are to celebrate his goodness and faithfulness. We are to shout his praises. We are to share his message of hope that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest hope that exists in our world. The greatest hope that exists in our world is for our eternal salvation. And that is wrapped up completely in the gospel. So what is the hope of the gospel? Well, according to Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You know, this is a lovely heretical statement, but I almost see the gospel as the fourth person of the Trinity. Because of this verse, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The gospel is very important. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds his hearers the gospel that he preached and in which they are being saved is this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter then to the twelve. The gospel is this, Christ was crucified but beat death and is victorious over it. His death paid the penalty for our sins and gives us a hope and a future. So what also do we believe about the life and death of Jesus? Well, we believe that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Paul encourages us who have believed in the gospel with these words from Ephesians 1:13. In him, in Jesus, you also when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. That is the gospel on which we rest our eternal security 
And that is the gospel in which is stored our assurance of salvation and our eternal hope. Hope that springs from love. It is a great hope. Romans 8.24 says about that hope in the gospel that for in this hope we were saved. This is the hope that Colossians 1 says that faith and love spring from. Faith and love spring from the hope of the gospel. Russell read this passage earlier from Titus chapter 3. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Hope, that is what we are to bring. As believers, we are to bring hope, the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ who has saved us. So you might say, well, Aaron, you know, I agree that the gospel is important, it is central, I and I know about the hope that I have in Jesus Christ, but how, how are we going to bring hope? That's a great concept, but how? What can we do practically you know, to, to bring hope? Well, that question is really answered by our values and what we've determined throughout a strategic plan. See, our values are our DNA. They are what we are aspiring to become and hopefully are well along the way to be anyway. They are what we agree with our head and our hearts that is what should make our church pump. Our values are like the blood in our arteries, and our values are what bring the impetus to practically bring hope. And so all our values are underpinned by this statement that precedes them all. By the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we seek the following. By the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You know, last week we finished James. If the Lord wills, you know, if the Lord wills, we will seek to bring the hope of the gospel by making disciples through authentic worship, vibrant family, gospel-centered growth and joyful service. But the key here to all of that is by making disciples. That is what we are called to do. That is what Christ asked of us his followers to do, to make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. And so we are going to focus our efforts to make disciples in four areas. So let's start with the first one, that is authentic worship. So if you want to look, open up, it's in the middle of the inside here, authentic worship. It says, we seek to bring the glory of God and the hope of the gospel through genuine expressions of authentic worship. Worship is a way of life and cannot be limited by time or place. Our worship is Jesus-centred, full of joy, faith and integrity and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is the fuel for discipleship. It utilises the gifts of me to worship Jesus Christ in spirit and in truth. Life consists of constant worship. Every thought, word, deed, desire involves a scribing of worth and value of glory. Each attitude, affection and activity is an expression of our allegiance, whether to our creator or to his creation. We are all worshippers and God alone is worthy of our worship. Worship is related to every area of our lives. We are called to eat, drink, speak, think and to work to the glory of God. 
Worship cannot be narrowed down to a particular time and place as if God doesn't claim authority over certain aspects of our lives. We can't just box worship into one hour on a Sunday. There are no neutral desires or deeds. Everything is an expression of worship. And our worship is the fuel for discipleship. It is nurtured through the gathering together as believers, as family, in a corporate service. Together we worship God by remembering the gospel through preaching, teaching, singing, praying, celebrating the ordinance of baptism and communion. Each presents an opportunity for the church to receive, remember, respond and rejoice in the work of our great King. I love this passage from Colossians. It speaks so clearly about our worship being a way of life. Chapter 3 verses 15 to 17 So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so practically, how are we going to live out this value of authentic worship? Well, we've put together the strategic plan. And in the fly you've got, you got on the way in this morning, I've just pulled out a few highlights from that. And the first is that we're going to invest into our music and worship team. You know, we're going to invest in developing a large, equipped and passionate team to facilitate worship through music and creative arts. You know, this includes training and resourcing new musicians, singers and our media team for our Sunday services and our midweek worship events. We're also going to work towards having 50% of services with live music by the end of next year and increasing to 90% in 2021. And by the end of 2022, all services are going to have live music. You know, there's just something special, I think, that comes from seeing people use their their gifts, abilities, passions and skills to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead others in worship. There's nothing that's less about playing the pipes music because it's still to do all with our heart. But I think there's just something that, that, that says that little bit extra. You know, that, that I don't know, just, maybe it's just because I'm musical. Maybe just because that that's part of how I get to... Uh, joy overflows in me in, in leading others and, and in worshipping the Lord using those skills, talents, gifts and abilities. And so for those that are musically minded, you know, we want to encourage and, and help that flourish and foster that. And to support other aspects of life being lived in worship of God, worship as a way of life, we're going to be starting these things called converge groups. So these are groups where like-minded and passionate people can come together around a shared interest hobby or skill and worship God through those talents and giftings and provide a space for natural relationships to develop and for people to meet Jesus in us. So God may not have gifted you with worship, uh, sorry, with music for worship, but he's gifted you in other ways. You know, can you sow in worship of God? Well, yes. You know, those sort of skills, passions and giftings converge with our worship of God and we can actually have sewing groups here at church or in your homes and those sorts of things where you can join with other people and invite your friends along and together you know, share about the hope that you have in, in Jesus Christ 
through developing deeper relationships with people who have a, an affinity with a skill or a gift or, or a, a talent or ability that you have. You know, what a great idea then to have different groups. You know, Kelly and I love board games. We actually really enjoy playing board games, whether it's, you know, Carcassonne or whether it's um, Settlers of Catan or whether it's, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other different board games. And, you know, how good would it be to have board game night here at church every now and then? Have that like as a converged group where we invite anyone who wants to play a board game will come along. You know, it has not been too hard a task to stay up to the wee hours of the morning playing board games for me. You know, uh, and and I love it. You know, I'm happy to kick on till three, four a.m. in the morning if you're keen. So uh, yeah, that, that, you know, converge groups. There's some examples of that. Yeah, I'm a nerd. We will also be encouraging the development of our creative arts as an expression of worship for all generations. So if you have a creative flair, then we want to encourage you to be creative and to reflect our great Creator God. You've got a, a school for painting, then paint. If you've got a skill for puppets, then puppeteer, whatever it is, creative. And this will also include starting a creative design team to oversee our church communications and graphic design. Now, I'm sure that there are some young people who love technology and uh, would love to be able to use those gifts and those skills to worship God or at least encourage that that's a pathway for, for our children to worship God through technology rather than it always being the enemy that it sometimes so often is. And so one of those things that has actually occurred in the last couple of weeks is that we've actually completely redone and upgraded our website. It's gone undergone a massive update. And so next time you're online, check it out. Have a look. And if you're interested in doing graphic design or any technical stuff on internet webs, stuff like that, interwebs, then please come and see me. The second area that we're going to make disciples is through vibrant family. We seek to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel through relationship as a vibrant family. Our local church is family where everyone is welcome and can belong. Family is the context for discipleship. As family, we embrace all generations, nurturing deep friendships through love, prayer and caring for each other. We empower and equip each other with compassion, generosity and hospitality naturally in fellowship and faith in a safe space. We worship a triune God who has eternally existed as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In identifying the triunity of God, we recognise that God is communal. Bearing the image of God, mankind is called to reflect this reality. Though each Christian has a personal relationship with God, that relationship is not individual or private. So the Christian faith is not intended to be lived in isolation. We were made for community. We were made for family. We were made for relationship with God and for relationship with each other. The local church is not merely a place that we attend, but it's a people to whom we belong. It's our family. The Bible calls us members of the body in 1 Corinthians 12 with the expectation that we contribute to the body for the glory of God and the good of his people. You know, vibrant family is a radical call amid a culture of casual involvement and being commitment averse. It involves mutual love, care, consistency and authenticity, nurturing deep friendships and displaying hospitality. You know what? You never give up on family. Family is always 
there for you. There is a place here where everyone can belong. See, vibrant family is the context for discipleship. That's where it happens. And we're all going to go on this journey together of bringing hope and together can encourage, pray for and care for each other as family does. This is a safe space where everyone can feel welcome and relaxed. You know, there is such a prevalence of messed up families in our world. There is such a prevalence of what's now, they call it family violence. And there is a great need for vibrant, God-honoring, gospel-centered family. And there's also a need for us to maintain this place as a safe space where everyone can feel welcome, can feel like they belong and can relax. You shouldn't feel on edge when you're here amongst family. 1 Corinthians 12:17 says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. Just like we saw in Acts 2, there is something special about family, about a group of people who come together for the glory of God and the hope of the gospel, looking after each other together. You know, not everyone may have come from a great family, but there's a loving family here. So how are we going to bring hope through vibrant family? Well, we're going to formalize a men's and women's ministry team, which will each develop a clear strategy to reach men and women with the hope of the gospel and have a balance of input, outreach and fellowship in the various events and gatherings they each take. We're also going to begin planning for a family ministry group, a bit like a youth group but for the whole family, beginning probably with a primary focus on, on, on primary aged kids or you know that sort of age group that will hopefully build into a youth group in the coming years. We're also going to hold two free family fun days just to bless our community and build on the reputation and rapport that we have with families here in the northeast. You know, and so that's a great opportunity that we have to, to interact and to invite you know, our mainly music families, past and present, other people that we have connections with, our friends, your friends, grandkids, neighbours, to say, hey, come for a free day of fun. You know, and we get to, to build on that rapport and that relationship that we have with our community and bless them bringing hope. The third way we're going to make disciples is through gospel-centered growth. We seek to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel through gospel-centered growth, the result of discipleship. We will fulfill Christ's great commission through outreach and discipleship, through a growing love for God and others. We will equip and empower each other to grow in faith and knowledge of the Bible and express the love of Christ through prayer and relationships as reproducing disciples. In perhaps the most famous passage on discipleship, Matthew 28:18-20, Jesus issues the great commission for the church, which involves multiplication. We are to become better disciples through love for God and love for others by equipping and empowering others to do the same. We are called to growth as we extend the gospel of life to a dead world. Gospel-centered growth is the result of discipleship. It is the result of a growing love for God and for others. God has determined the exact time and place in which you live, work and play for his glory as we see from Acts 17:26. God was intentional in directing our lives so we should live with intentionality in all that we pursue. You know, we grow the kingdom of God by living with a purpose to make God known and enjoyed. From missional living and interacting with neighbours and colleagues 
to missional outreach in our local community or in, in, on, on trips short or long term. Our lives have been infused with purpose and meaning. The disciples' call is growth and replication through the gospel for the glory of God to become reproducing disciples. And to help us facilitate growing together for gospel purposes, we're going to be kicking off small groups next year. We're going to have two of them, maybe more, up and running with a host, a pastoral carer and a leader. And we'll have a sign-up day in February as we kick these groups off. And this will help us grow together as disciples of Christ, grow in our understanding of the hope we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ and encourage us to fulfill the Great Commission and go and share Jesus with others and bring hope to them. We'll also be developing a culture of discipleship and we'll have six discipleship groups going, or maybe more. These are groups of two or three people who meet every week or two or three or once a month or whatever, but to talk about life together to share the joys and the tough stuff, to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to read the scriptures together, to mentor each other and, and help us be accountable in our spiritual lives. We'll also be having Gospel Sundays, a day where you can invite your friends and family that you have been praying for, where you can have confidence that they will hear the gospel and be invited to respond. And we'll be developing clear pathways for those who respond to be nurtured in discipleship. You know, there's amazing things that happens when the gospel is preached to people who haven't heard it or maybe who have heard it but haven't yet responded in faith. When the gospel is preached, a response is always drawn. And when it's backed up by months of faithful prayer and of invitation to come along, it provides a fertile field for God to come and meet that person where they're at and save them for his glory. Having the intentional opportunities to do that, like what will happen on Gospel Sunday, on Friends Day, you know, whatever we call it, whatever, you know, but so that you can have the confidence to know that when you do bring that friend that you've been praying for for years, that when they do come, they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to be invited to respond. We had a friend who um, Kenny and I caught up with a little bit in Frankston, who had been in and out of church for a fair fair part of her life. You know, her, her grandparents were very faithful. And so we invited her along to church on a day such as that. And she made a commitment that day because people had been praying for her. They, she'd received an invitation through friends, came along, heard the gospel and responded in faith and devotion. She was saved that day. What a wonderful thing can happen. The joy of the Lord can come to people in any circumstance. But let's be intentional about it and provide space and opportunity for things like that to happen. And we will also be developing a clear pathway for those who do respond to be nurtured in discipleship. And so we're not just going to leave people, yep, Gospel Sunday, whatever we call it, you know, yep, I, I, I respond to faith in Jesus Christ. Great, well done. Just keep coming to church every week. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just keep coming to church. That's not the answer. There's more we should be doing. We should be discipling people. And so that will most likely be that person's friend will meet up and disciple that person and will help resource and, 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 and equip that. The fourth area where we're going to make disciples is through joyful services. On the back, we seek to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel through joyful service, the overflow of discipleship. Our service is an expression of love and stewardship, of grace, marked by humility, generosity and hospitality, empowered by a passion for God, 
We will selflessly serve others with Christ-like love, compassion and pastoral care, sacrificially giving of our time, gifts, talents and finance as committed and joyful disciples. Lots of joy happening out there right now, isn't there? How great is that? In John 13 verses 1 to 20, we read the account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. It was no ordinary, regular rabbinical task but was instead reserved for the lowest of all servants. He was the anointed king, the eternal son of God, the blessed Lord doing the inconceivable. By humbly cleansing the feet of his disciples, Jesus gave an abiding example of service and issued a command for us to follow in his steps. We were saved so that we might now serve. Joyful service is the overflow of discipleship. It's motivated by the reconciling work of God and seeks to extend his grace and mercy to others for his glory and not our own. It is something that we do out of the overflowing love and grace that we have been recipients of. Service can and should be pursued in various ways by all recipients of God's grace. Those who have been impacted by the gospel have countless opportunities both formal and informal, to serve others with joy, maybe by greeting at the door, teaching, singing, serving communion, giving financially to the needs of others, opening our homes to our neighbours. The list just goes on forever, really. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for god loves a cheerful giver and god is able to bless you abundantly so in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work who here has a story of need that was met by god we all do it's our common experience It's one thing actually that binds us together as family. God provides for our needs so that in all things we have all that we need to abound in every good work. You know, God doesn't bless us and supply our needs so that we can be comfortable. He blesses us and supplies our needs so that we can abound in good work. We can bring the hope of the gospel to others as we serve them with joy. And to this end, this is why we're planning to expand our hospitality ministry to begin an emergency meals pantry of frozen meals and to also adopt our local police station by regularly providing morning teas and blessing and and caring for our local police members. You know, I think they do a tough job. I reckon there's few tougher. Everything they have to deal with. How nice is it just to be blessed though? No other reason than just to be blessed. Let's, Let's bless them. We can do it. It's quite easy. We'll also be doing practical things to bring hope and spread joy by having a joy day. A day where we do something practical to bring hope. You know, it might be a backyard blitz. It might be restoring a park bench. It might be developing a garden in a school. It, it could look like anything, really. But it will be an out, a practical outworking of joy that brings hope. We'll also begin a regular ministry to our aged care facilities, providing for the spiritual needs of those in homes. And, you know, there will also be opportunities to support missions locally, regionally, nationally and internationally, as well as the encouragement for us as individuals and as a church 
to be vitally involved in our community in many different ways. You know, there's many more things in our strategic plan than what I've just pulled out today because I just wanted to highlight a few of them. You might be saying, well, hold on, Aaron, you've only highlighted a few of them? That sounds like there's so much to do. Gee whiz, we are going to be so busy trying to do it all. And I get that. But that is where the benefits of being a vibrant family really come to the fore. You don't have to do everything. I don't have to do everything. But together, we'll be able to accomplish more than we can individually. And so I want to encourage everyone to just do one. Do one gathering on a Sunday to worship together. Do one small group or discipleship group to grow together. Do one ministry to serve together. And do one thing for you to invest into yourself as a healthy and vibrant family member. You don't have to do it all. Just do one. Today I want to close with a verse overflowing with hope and encouragement. As we make our commitment to each being actively involved in helping see this vision become a reality. You know, everything we do in this church from this day forward will be focused on making that vision that we have received from God a reality. Everything we do will bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel to the northeast by making disciples through authentic worship, vibrant family, gospel-centered growth and joyful service. I want to read that verse. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15:13. It's a great verse, isn't it? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's any more rock star verse in the Bible, I'm, I'm not sure if it, there is. How great is that verse? I'd now like to invite Jan... Lyle and Rob forward to pray over us as a church, to pray over our new vision and to commission us as God's people to accomplish the plans that he has laid out before us to bring glory to God and the hope of the gospel to the northeast. So let's commit to this vision and mission and burst out of the wilderness and into the promise of hope. One thing we should all be aware of, our whole life up until this very moment is preparation for the next thing we do. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those realities of life. It exists for individuals and it also is true for organisations, particularly something like a church like this. So everything that has gone before today is preparation for the next thing that we do as a fellowship. Just join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and give thanks for the faithfulness of past Baptist workers in Wangaratta. We acknowledge your presence and protective hand that has empowered this and brought your people through the ups and downs over the years to this very day. As we move on from here with your leading, we pray that you will continue to guide and lead us along the path that you have chosen for us. Lord, open our eyes to see this, our hearts to hear your voice, and give us the strength and the courage to do the things in this region that will bring glory to you. So we commit ourselves to the future that has been bequeathed to us from people's past. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Our Father, we have so much to thank you for and we thank you for all that is past. We thank you that you always lead us and guide us in the paths that are right for us. 
We have so much in your word that tells us this. And so we bring you thanksgiving for that today. We thank you, Lord, for the way in which you have led us, particularly through this year and through these last few months. Lord, as uh, we have come to this place today of launching the vision that we believe you have given to us, we thank you for the opportunity of each one of us being able to uh, contribute to this. We believe you've spoken to us and we thank you for even the format, Lord, that we have today in our hands. Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit afresh upon your people here for each one of us, Lord, that we would know the empowerment of your spirit going forward, that we would hear the prompts of your spirit when we want to reach out to people and to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, whether that be by word of mouth or by deed or by simply our behaviour as people observe us. Father, we pray that you would help us to um, just break out of the, the boxes that we sometimes put ourselves in because something's never been done before that we just plain don't want to do it. Lord God, would you pour out that spirit of obedience into our hearts that when you speak, we will obey, that we will go forward. And Father, help us always to remember that everything that is done in the name of Jesus is for the glory of God. So Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Cause us to be your people in this area where you have placed us for your glory and that people might turn to Jesus and find the hope of the gospel. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have called us to be part of this vision for your church. We thank you for the thoughts, prayers, time and commitment that have gone into making our vision statement a practical guide in which to serve you as your church in this place. We pray for a spirit of unity of purpose and empowerment as we seek to reach out to those with whom we come into contact in our local community of Wangaratta and the North East with your message of hope and forgiveness. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.